And it's time once again for the program that comes to you once a week. And you can't wait for it because you know it contains no commercials, no jingles, no music, no talent, and certainly no agenda. Coming to you from the affluent suburb of Surrey known as Guildford in the United Kingdom in the Curry Manor. I'm Adam Curry. And up here, I'm out here in Northern California, and actually it's turned into a sunny day again. It's supposed to rain. I'm John C. Dvorak. Hey, John, how you doing? It's raining here in the UK, of course. Mm-hmm. Good. We've, yeah, we've had, uh, let me see, it'll be, uh, if it continues to rain through tomorrow, it'll be a, f- a solid week of rain. It's been really, wow. really, yeah, it's been bad. It's been just crap. It's good weather for ducks. <laughs> I used to say that when I was a kid. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Yeah. Good weather for ducks. I understand what the point of it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, you have, I think you've pretty much since yesterday or the day before yesterday, you've been in a very foul mood, and I understand why. And why is that? Because your computer blew up on you. Yes, I know. <laughs> and of course, I've had nothing but suggestions, none of which work. And you know, I, I know what, I, I think the hard disk just blew up. And you know, but that means now, here's what's weird. I, when Vista first came out, they, uh, I got a hold of Microsoft. I said, I need, I need a couple copies of Vista because I want to test it. And so they sent me like two copies of the Ultra. Mm-hmm. And, and then I put them in a, in a drawer or somewhere. And that was almost a year ago, so now I can't find them. <laughs> and now you need it desperately, right, to, to reinstall? Well, no, not to reinstall, to install. For, I figure I, I should put a Vista installation on top of the old one. That way I can get a feeling for what people are complaining about. And um, Oh, you're not running so Vista? To, what are you running? XP. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were running Vista. No, no. Uh, but I'm going to be running Vista, but now I can't find the discs. So it's, if it's not one thing, it's another. It's not, you know. Yeah, but I, you know, I was listening to, uh, you were ranting on, uh, on Tech 5. I think Tech 5, actually, three minutes of Tech 5 was about your computer problems. And I was just listening to it. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, man, I remember that. I remember that before I went back to the Mac. <laughs> it's, I've never it's had a, any good, of that problem with the Mac, ever. It's, it's, um, it was a slow news week anyway, so I figured you know, I might as well rave about it. And, you know, the thing is, when the show's only five minutes or so, you know, it's, you, it doesn't, you know, people listen to you ranting for a few minutes, and then, you know, if it was a 20-minute show and I kept doing it, I'm sure I would lose my whole audience. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, I was over in Europe earlier in the week, on the continental Europe, that is, and I think I've got a scoop, some, a minor scoopage. All right. Uh, remember the story that came out... Um, about the iPhones that half a million iPhones had never showed up on the AT&T network and they were presumed that they had been sold to China. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in Holland, right? And I kid you not, John, every third cell phone I saw was an iPhone. Unlocked, working on a local network. Everybody has one. There's no official deal in... Um, in the Netherlands, and I'm sure that it's the same in, in surrounding countries. Of course, Germany, I think, the, uh, is it available in Germany yet? Maybe not even in, uh, officially. I don't know. I tell you, those 500,000 iPhones, they went to Europe, man. They didn't go to China. Everybody's walking around with one, all unlocked. Just slipping their own SIM card. Did you talk to anybody about where they got one? Did you like bump yeah. a guy and say, hey, buddy, where'd you get this Yeah, thing? in fact, I was visiting a friend of mine who has a television production company, and they were in New York for, uh, I don't know if they were on a, on a shoot or a conference or something, and they bought 50 iPhones 
for the entire company and just brought them back. You know, it's really cheap, obviously, now that the dollar is, uh, you know, it's one dollar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, they're getting, in other words, the Europeans get the phone for essentially half the price we have to pay. Right. Half the price. And you're not locked into any network carrier because you just uh, unlock it with, uh, what are they they are using? Simzif or something. There's some package out there that you buy once and you can unlock any iPhone you want with it. And uh, it, you know, and, and I saw you know women walking around saying, "Hmm, something's wrong. I can't figure this out." And then uh, you know, some guy would walk up and say, "Oh, don't worry. I'll just unlock it again for you." You know, it's it's like culturally accepted. Everyone's unlocking these iPhones that they buy in the states. Well, in Europe, of course, most phones are unlocked, or you can get them unlocked pretty easily. And people do buy just a phone, and when you just buy a, a, a bare phone, it's unlocked. Well, yeah, that's not entirely true. I mean, the, um, carriers still try to lock you into, um, you know, a, 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 into a subsidized phone. Um, the the main difference is you have the right to buy it unlocked, so it'll cost you more. In fact, you can go to the Nokia store. Uh, there's one in Guilford, and you can walk right in. You can get any of their phones with a contract, which makes the phone cheaper. Uh, or you can buy it completely unlocked and uh, put any SIM card in it that you wish. And I think, well, okay, but people, I think, in Europe are more aware of the locking thing. I think only yeah. the techies in the United States know anything about it. Uh, yeah, well, people are aware because most people by now, you know, in the evolution of cell phones, they, they, they've had certainly more than one. And so they've already gone through this. You know, also number portability, um, you know, that has to carry over within a set amount of time. And there's pretty good about that uh, here in Europe. That's uh, all Naley's business, man. She she worked out all those competition things. So, uh, she's, yeah, she's, she's the thorn in our side. <laughs> no, she is not. I tell you, she's a very smart woman, somewhat aggressive perhaps in, in what she does, but she's not a thorn. Anyway, at least the, uh, and the worst part about it, they're making these fines in euros. They should do it in dollars so we can get a discount. Was it one fifty six so now? One dollar fifty six cents I, to the euro. It's, it's, it's it, might as well might as well be a hundred dollars. It's crazy, John. It's already too ridiculous to go to Europe. I mean, you have to spend twice as much money because they have the normal uh, inflation that we have here. So the prices are comparable, but it's all based on the euro. So thus, we have to pay twice as much for everything yep. over there. When we used to have a discount, because it used to be eighty cents for a euro, now it's a buck fifty six. Yeah, so it'll double. So it get to one six. So it completely double within memory. Because I was, I think it was about three years ago. Four, well, no, it was longer than that. Maybe five years ago, when in the first Bush term, that you could get the uh, euro for eighty cents. And then, but then you know, after GW sunk the economy. Yeah, I remember when uh, when a dollar was five guilders. So five guilders would be two, two like two two and a half euros today. Isn't that amazing? What a reversal! So I'm uh, fooling around on the Dish Network. I'm going through all the different channels, mm-hmm. and I and there's a channel that cropped up. I always, in fact, if people have the Dish Network, I think there's the same thing with the all these satellite systems. You, you sometimes have to scan through it and you find uh, sample channels and experimental channels. I found something buried, and they're always buried, like in the nine hundreds and the, the high numbers. Yeah, high numbers. In this case, nine thousand six hundred and forty-five. <laughs> okay. What are you so doing I'm, up there, John? Isn't that where all the porn is as well? You're 
sampling something I, I, else? I don't subscribe to the point. I think it was in, in the hockey or something. But anyway, it was under, it just, if anyone's got the Dish Network, you can go to channel 9645. And, there, and it's called, the, the channel is called LF1. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what that means. But what it is, what they're showing is a nonstop, uh, it's about a six, I didn't time it and I should have, but it's it's less than 10 minutes long, but it's, I'm, it seems, feels like about six or seven minutes. Uh, a short movie. Uh, that they keep looping over and over and over again, which actually has interactive features, which I thought was interesting. You can click on something and then you can interact with it. What do you, on, uh, on your remote, you mean you can press a colored button? Uh, there's a, you put, press, actually you press the enter button, even though it's kind of vague which button to press. Mm-hmm. And it puts you, it loads an application that allows you to order a CD and do some other things. Huh. Uh, if you want a copy of the CD, and I think you can just get a copy of the CD at the website. Uh, but it, it's, it's a movie by Shell Oil. And, uh, what the hell's the name of it? I got the name. So it's got some stupid name. Is it a movie or is uh, it a, like a, like a long form commercial? It's not a commercial. It's an actual movie. It's a drama. Huh. It's a drama. It starts in 1986, or 1986. It starts in a board meeting. And then these guys sit around and say, well, I know we can do better. You know, huh. <laughs> We don't need. And this guy says, well, we can do. We, we've got this new idea. We got to get the soot down. <laughs> it's about soot, and and there's a bunch of holes in this story. But anyway, so they have this meeting, and the next thing you know, in this semi romance, there's a guy and a girl at the beginning, and they walk off, and the and the guy says, "I think we can improve our product," and the girl says, "I think it, the, we need more public pressure," and so she goes and becomes a a public person. She actually disappears from the story until the very end, and then he goes up and says, "I think we can work within the system." <laughs> and so they, uh-huh. so they, this thing moves really fast, by the way, because it's only five minutes. And um, so anyway, so then the guy uh, uh, it moves along somehow, and they, somebody invented something. They, they, there's this invention, and they're making it in Malaysia called GTL. Yeah, it's uh, ga- uh, was that uh, gas, gas to, liquid? to liquid? Yeah, gas to liquid. Yeah, some they, apparently Shell came up with a process to turn natural gas, which is a a commodity that should be used for its as natural gas, it seems to me, I don't think they should process it to to make gasoline. Well, no, there's all the kinds gasoline. of advantages. I've, I've actually talked. Uh, uh, a buddy of mine knows about here. this. Yeah, it's, it's propaganda. <laughs> and uh, yeah, my buddy is full of propaganda towards me. <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm telling you, it's just, it's GT, there could be advantages, but it's pointless. You know, if you just do better refining of their other fuels, you'll get the same product. There's a thread here. You have to remember, I used to work at Union Oil. Yeah, of course. Yes. There's a thread here I I found. New channel, 9645 LF1. Apparently, the same same movie is showing up on TiVo as well in uh, some video on demand. So the thinking, yeah, the thinking here is that uh, Shell has bought space. And it's spamming. Yeah, but uh, who's going to see this thing? I mean, it was a fluke that I even found. It. Of course, not everyone who watches or listens to us might check it out. But yeah. you just laugh at it. Anyway, so GTL, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so, the, so they released the GTL. The guys get, so here's the story. The story moves on real quick. Next thing you know, we're in the future. That mm-hmm. says something like 15 years later. And the guy says, the guy's giving a lecture, the guy who's working within the system. He says, we've got this new fuel, and it's, it produces less soot. And 
and then there's a voice in the background that says, when will this product actually be manufactured? And, he's, and the guy says, turn on the lights. I want to see who this is. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, what is this? The guy is a KGB. So they turn <laughs> on the lights. It's the girl. And so the guy says, oh, but it's a girl. Now they're friends, you know, friends again. He wants to take her out to dinner. So he asks her out for dinner. and Everyone chuckles in the audience. And then so next thing you know, he sees her at dinner. And then she's, and then before they can even eat, she's all, oh, the babysitter called, I got to go. Boom. The guy's, you know, goes limp because the babysitter, she's married. Mm-hmm. So the, oh, all okay. those years have passed and he, they've gone in different directions and now she's gone one way and he's gone the other. But Shell and all the scientists at Shell. But they've have, saved the know, world. Done, they've saved the world. <laughs> but meanwhile, so, so here's the, the, the big hole is this. At the beginning, they say it's a synthetic alternative to diesel. Mm. And then... In the later part of the story, I swear to God, there's no way they're using this in diesel engines because they test where they're testing it and everything, especially in Los Angeles. Uh, they were they they, they kind of indicate that it's being used in cars as gasoline as opposed to diesel. So there's like that's kind of confusing. And then there's a uh, uh, a thing. Apparently, this the factory that was making it blew up or something. I guess that's a true story. And it says. And then there's a thing that flashes on the screen that says the following. And tell me what is wrong with this. What what stands out on, in this in this uh, statement that stands? What stands out like a sore thumb? And here's what it said. I wrote it down. Following the new restart, and that's referring to the refinery, the new Bintulin GTL fuel was trialed in L.A., Shanghai, Delft. Berlin and London. Hmm. Delft? Uh, yeah, Delft. <laughs> Delft got. Wait, wait, a minute, let me get to go to the CDC I can answer again. that one, Los uh, John. Angeles, I can answer that. Shanghai, Berlin, London, and Delft. Let me explain. <laughs> Delft is home to the uh, a very famous uh, technical university, uh, the TU in Delft, and um, uh, Shell is a, uh, a, uh, a big spender on the university. All their research projects are done there. Delft is quite famous for uh, for its research. Fine, and for its so, uh, Dutch uh, Delft Dutch Blue, of course. I believe that there's some executive in Delft, and he was getting free gas. <laughs> the movie's on YouTube, by the way. <laughs> it's called uh, Cle- <laughs> Clearing the Air. Right, that's the name of it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you can also get a DVD with it on there. Um, <laughs> and it says, based on real events, this cracks me up. So the anyway, the, the end, it says, sooty emissions, and there's another quote on the screen, sooty emissions from cars fell by 40%, or it says by up to 40%. And then there's like a little disclaimer, like it was a drug commercial at the very bottom. Hmm. And, it, and it says... It's actually if you have an erect forty percent. If you have an erection for over four hours, please contact right. your doctor immediately. Actually, what it says was it's only between twenty and forty <laughs> percent. But they say forty. The joke of it, it, it still says twenty to forty. But the joke of it is, you can't read this disclaimer. I mean, I had to, I had to do uh, actually do some video manipulation to get the thing so it was readable. And uh, oh, that's sure. what I said. Well, that, that's like uh, like all the disclaimers on the car commercials. You know, you get that final screen, and you get uh, the and the screen is filled with letters that you can't read. There's yeah, no you time. Can't read it. No time to read it. So uh, it's like a, a new. So they're building a new GTL plant in Qatar. They mentioned that. 
And um, I don't know. I just thought the whole thing, you know, but it was what was interesting. It was a fast moving story, even though it was filled with this weird hole about the diesel versus gasoline. And it was a dumb, dumb story, but it was well produced in terms of a five minute movie. Hmm. And I think it's a model. uh, It's a model of uh, short dramas to be used as propaganda. Well, people should check it out for that. Advertising, advertising, propaganda, advertising, maybe the same thing. I'm going to take a look at it. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, can acquire it, get the rights to it, and sell commercials against it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazier yeah. things have happened, man. You never know. And talking about corny, like the Delft thing. So I had to load Skype. I'm using the laptop because, yeah. you know, as you know, my machine is down. And I had to uh, load Skype. I had to get a driver for, for the fast track. God, it, t- it took like half an hour just to, for you to be able to hear me. Yeah, and then when I did hear you, there doesn't seem to be any explanation as to what changed. <laughs> it fixed itself. Yeah, when that happens. I was waiting for this computer to do that diet. I keep rebooting yeah. it, saying, come on, yeah. you can fix yourself. You, you've done it before. Good luck. So anyway, so I go to the Skype page, and now I guess eBay took it over. So they got this corny piece. People should just go to the Skype you know, download Skype.org download page or their first page. There's this corny picture of a granddad f- bottle feeding a yeah. <laughs> baby and and some girl, I guess his daughter, was standing over there. It's, the, it's the eBay creative team, man. They're the ones that are doing that stupid shit. <laughs> it's like the corniest <laughs> piece of crap. What's it got to do with anything? What does it have to do with anything? They're trying to show happiness and, and a dream of together and connectivity, John. Don't you understand that? Well, they're doing a crappy job because I found the picture to be highly offensive. <laughs> it is offensive. It's insulting is what it is. Like, why That's do, why do I have to look at that? That makes no sense. Um, you remember I uh, told you about the, um, I was just switching gears here, uh, the auction rate securities market? Remember we were talking oh, yeah, about right. that? About those auctions yeah, yeah, yeah. that were failing? So I uh, picked up a, um, an article on TechCrunch, and uh, apparently 20% of venture-backed startups uh, have been advised by financial advisors in the Valley to put, you know, and if they have any spare cash that they raised, which a lot of companies will do, you know, you, you raise money and then, you know, all of a sudden there's millions of dollars in your bank account. You know, you don't put it in the checking account. Uh, you put it where you can uh, get some, uh, some interest off of it. And so uh, 20% of the companies in Silicon Valley have put money into the auction rate securities. Uh, and, you know, you, you can, you know, they have seven day, uh, uh, they have auctions every seven days, 28 days or 35 days. <laughs> and uh, now they can't, you know, the auctions are failing. So now they can't access their money. <laughs> How crazy That's is great. that? Isn't that awesome? Well, see, this is something, this is good that you knew this in advance. You wouldn't be suckered into that uh, No, stupidity. no, I would have said, uh-uh, bad idea. And, oh, by the way, Bear Stearns, holy crap. This thing's coming apart at the seams, man. The money well, you market. Know, these the, guys can only... Sorry? These guys can only scam the world for so long with this, you know, yeah, craziness. The, the, the gig is up, but what's so funny is, you know, it's still being called the subprime crisis. You know, horse shit. You know, this is <laughs> this is so much more. It's going to be it's, well, it's going to be half a trillion point. dollars. 
And now, yeah, but apparently the government, Bernanke and his boys, are bailing out a lot of these guys. Yeah, they're, 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 just, they're printing fucking money. I mean, it's not a coincidence that they, they literally print $200 billion. Yeah, they say it comes from some kind of reserve, but that's not transparent. No one can can check on them it's, if it's, to see if it's true or not. Um, and then the dollar, of course, uh, devalues another notch. I mean, duh. Two hundred billion in the marketplace. Right, it's like issuing more stock. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, issuing more stock yeah. in kind of company. You just did. Everyone gets diluted. Yeah. If you, everybody looked at the dollar as a share of stock, you know, there's there so much. Go. There's so much of it out there, and if they add more to it, the money's worth less. Yeah, they just print more, and then oh, okay, so the automatically all the markets just. It's almost like it's a computer process. It's like everyone understands how that works in the financial world, and who's getting screwed? Why? Because these. And what I do like, by the way. Is, um, it's not like they're giving the banks money. They are printing the money, which that's where the devaluation comes from. But they're lending it to the banks for like you know 28 days or something like that. And other banks still won't do business with them, even though they have the money for 28 days. So not, it's not like the, the you know they're not like giving it to the banks. But damn, look at what they're doing to our dollar, which is in essence a hidden tax, I guess. You know, if your money devalues, that's and the government does it, isn't that, isn't that just another form of tax, taking money out of our pockets and that's, giving it to banks to use? That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's an interesting point because, you know, the Bushies, you know, have this thing about no taxes or lower taxes to, uh, and then meanwhile, you get having this happen. I mean, if you if I have to pay twice as much for something, that's a 50% tax. Yeah, and I wish you could take credit for, for that. That's actually a Ron Paul line, but... You know, it's true. It's a tax. Pisses me off. So the, my favorite thing, though, is that they, a lot of these executives of these big companies that are being folded left and right are, are giving themselves big bonuses. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a great business. That's what it is. I've done such a wonderful job. I'm going to give myself a $100 million bonus for, like, ruining the company. But, you know, let, let me just go out on a you limb know, for a second. You know, come on, you, you've met oh, bankers. Oh, you've, I know where you're going to go with this. I don't think you do. Yeah, go on. Okay. You know, right. um, I've, I've lived and worked in New York. Bankers Trust was one of, was one of our uh, big clients uh, back in the day of uh, Think New Ideas. And, you know, those are my clients. And so, you know, you take them out. And bankers, particularly those that are in this business trading, the ones who, you know, who make all the money, all these big bonuses because they're putting together these structured deals, they're managing credit and risk and using derivatives. And they're just, you know, it's, it's basically all electronic money. And it clears somewhere in the background, you know, after these guys have gotten their check, uh, you know, months later is when all the... The clearances are done and all the money is actually paid if it if if ever. But these they're like horse traders, you know. It's um, it's a certain type of guy who does this. And uh, first, I'll say they're not the they're not, in my humble opinion, not super intelligent. You know, they're sexist usually. You know, they're you know, it's the guys you see at strip clubs. That's who's doing this. I mean, come on, can't you see that this is a big scam? <laughs> Yeah, you know it what I mean. I mean, you, you know these. Yeah, it's those guys. You know, he's like, you know, those like sweaty, kind of a little bit overweight, coked out guys. That's who's doing this shit. And you know, they're they're buying huge mansions. They're buying sports cars. They're buying women. You know, who knows what else they were buying? And uh, you know, if you've ever um, if you've ever seen the movie uh, The Smartest Guys in the Room, 
which is the documentary about Enron. And you hear them uh, right. when, when they were controlling the energy and creating rolling blackouts throughout California for their own benefit and profit. You can hear it's these kinds you of guys. You know, I knew that was, you know, when those rolling blackouts were going on, you know, I immediately, having again worked in the oil industry, I mean, it, uh, it looked like a scam to me from the get-go. And I just knew it was a phony bunch of blackouts. These things were like fake because, of, and then all, oh, we have to conserve more, don't use your air conditioning, and all this other crap. And mm-hmm. I'm watching these things happen, you know, week after week after week. Luckily, I was on a grid that's part of the police department's grid, so I never, I didn't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But every time it, it happened, it was like, this was the phoniest thing I've ever seen. And I didn't see, like, the that idiot Governor, Governor Gray Davis didn't say anything about it. He didn't. He was so naive. He didn't know it was a bunch of bull. And then, but the, what really got me is that the science and media reporters and all the people that worked at the newspapers, nobody thought anything. They instead of saying this is bull, they all said, "Oh, we have to conserve more. We have oh, to conserve of course. more." They didn't do any actual research into it. They don't know what the hell they're writing about. They're just, they're just writing. Just that was writing. the most. That that was it for me when I that during that rolling blackout period. The fact that nobody could see that it was obviously a scam. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. It was an obvious scam to me. And, well, it, and I don't think it's because I worked in an oil company, but it's to just it was just uh, so artificial. It just happened out of the blue. Oh, <laughs> after privatization, it seemed like a bad idea to begin Gee, with. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Well, you know, you take take it right from there over to Spitzer. Gosh, that's been a fascinating story. Well, you know, there's a new twist on the Spitzer story. Uh, let me just, uh, let's just recap this for, uh, I'm sure many, well, although the story actually is spreading to, you know, spreading internationally because essentially I think everyone gets the the, the basic idea. This is the uh, the governor. Wasn't he also attorney general before being, before he was governor? Not attorney general. He- he was well. He's he was he was some law guy. Yeah, he some, was one some of these law guys guy. Who was he's got a good name too for a law guy. You know, Spitzer. We should we should we should look it up. He um. So know, anyway, on, uh, he, he was responsible BDS, for. So he was responsible for stopping payola in the music business, which of course pissed off a lot of people, particularly in New York. Um, he's he's busted up all kinds of you know I think uh, organized crime as well, or um, you know, real cartel type stuff. And he's this hard-nosed, you know, I'm going to kick everyone's ass into shape. And then he gets caught in a prostitution ring where they bust, uh, uh, they bust this prostitution ring and he was client number nine. And then, <laughs> and then, I love it when, when, uh, when these guys get busted for that. He was a New York State, he, I'm sorry, he was a New York State Attorney General. Right, Attorney General, exactly. And, he, and then he does this big thing like, I'm sorry, I'd, I'd let my family down. And why do their wives stand next to these guys clutching their pearls when, every single time that happens? My wife would be like standing next to me with a knife on my dick. <laughs> she would not be clutching her <laughs> pearls, I'm telling you. I thought she did. Doesn't she do that anyway? But that's <laughs> only because I like it. But, you know, what's up? what's up with that? What kind of deal do you have to make for your wife to, you know, it's like... <laughs> How do you get away with well, there's that? There's a thing I'm I'm going to link to this on the blog dvorak.org slash blog, but you may have to look it up because uh, it'll scroll off by the time anyone hears the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a reporter that that linked the Spitzers uh, to like there's there's a belief amongst some 
reporters that because Spitzer went so hard and heavy against the bankers, uh-huh. specifically over these usury laws, uh, because they were, you know, during this period of all this, uh, you know, these balloon payments, all the rest of it, there's actually, you know, we used to have laws in this country that prevented people from being uh, uh, loan sharks, essentially, uh, officially. I mean, if you wanted to go to a loan shark, you had to go to the mob. Now you can just go to the corner. <laughs> the and, money store. Uh, <laughs> the money store. And so... Uh, there's some thinking then they said it's documented a little bit that he was actually set up on this and oh i'm uh, sure he was there's no the, doubt it was a setup it was it's perfect it, i mean but of course. obviously he wouldn't have been set up if he hadn't had these uh, predilections if you know what i mean of course so i mean if you if you're if you're a whoring type of guy you would you know you can easily be set up uh, if he would just play played it a little closer to the vest, it wouldn't have been something that he would have got caught. But then, you know, somehow they suckered him into the, like <laughs> doing money transfers in his own name. Or what something. a dick! And but you know, the thing is, is he was. It's just one of these. And of course, this is what the human nature loves. This, you know, when there's someone who's holier than thou, when someone in authority, someone who clearly stands above the rest for whatever reason, we love it. We fucking love it when they topple down. You know, and that's that's actually the story that I'm reading over here and uh, and even further east. Is uh, is not about the background. No one gives a shit about <laughs> about what he did. All they care about is, hey, here's a guy who had a big attitude about putting everybody else in their place, and ha ha ha, that's what it is. That's the news. Film at eleven. Uh, yeah. Right, but here, let me read you. Let me read you this little entry from Wikipedia that somebody dropped in here. Uh, as Attorney General, Spitzer took uh, cases relating to corporate white-collar crime, securities fraud, internet fraud, and environmental protection. He most notably pursued cases against companies involved in, uh, oops, involved in computer chip price fixing, investment bank stock price inflation, and the 2003 mutual fund scandal. He also sued Richard Grasso, the former chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, claiming he'd failed to fully informed the board of directors of his deferred compensation package, which exceeded $140 million. Wow. So, uh, so if you're going to go be this kind of guy, yeah, you, you got to keep your dick in your pants is the basic message. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so stupid is that? He took, so he essentially was a do-gooder that probably was been a benefit to the public at large who essentially took himself out of the picture because he's a jerk. And don't you think that is that attitude is just rampant throughout all administration, John? I mean, isn't isn't that obvious what's what's been going on for decades, maybe maybe centuries, maybe all of humankind. You know, we'll we'll make everything okay for everybody and shut up and do what we say. In the meantime, I'm going to start filling my back pockets. <laughs> yeah, well, especially in this era. Yeah. I mean, they could do it. The thing that bothers me, I think you're probably right, but the thing that's, that's kind of bothersome and worrisome and that the public sh- is that how blatant does it have to get before the public actually gives a shit? Well, we're, we've been numbed and dumbed down, you know, again. So, you know, that's that's what it is. It's a society of spectacle. And we, we want to see just people getting in trouble. We don't care if it's David Beckham, Britney Spears, or uh, or Spitzer. We just, that's our entertainment, you know? And no, we're not thinking about what it really means. I mean, I grew up in a generation that just got so numbed by, you know, rhetoric and confusion. Um, you know, nowhere in the world have I ever been in any type of election that was clear how it fucking worked. Look at the American process. 
Yeah, the rest of the world is like, is it over yet? Is the is is that is that guy the president yet? Or who? What happened? You know, it's like the primaries were hyped so much that you know it's like everyone's confused. They they just don't understand. Well, now I think they kind of understand, but you know, all right, we'll forget about it now. It looks like it's going to be uh, you know between those three, and people just don't care, man. They don't care because. We're taken care of so well, you know, these things don't affect us anymore. I think governments have figured out, you know, keep the trains running, don't even have to be on time, you know, keep some money flowing and everyone will shut up. Well, that's apparently the case, unfortunately. Yeah, that's why, that is why, my friends, you need to start supporting this program. Yeah, you know, that's what we're going to have to, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. I was looking at some public uh, TV stuff. And, of course, we have gotten some notes from people saying, yeah, well, you know, I might kick in a dollar. No, people like um, that. Leo's model, which is like two bucks a month on a recurring payment schedule. I mean, come on, that's right. 50, that's 50 yeah. cents no, Leo's, a pop. Leo's so the uh, uh, I was looking at the couple of the public broadcasting people, and they have it's interesting. They had one of them had a breakdown of how, how they finance themselves, and uh, uh, it was fifty five percent were personal contributions, forty percent were grants. Ten uh, percent was the government, and there was a bunch of you know that the corporation for public broadcasting and these. You know, the funny thing is about that, of course, is that the ten percent or less, in fact, I think it was eight, uh, is the stuff that they squawked about the most. All these public broadcasters, you know, when the corporation for, for public broadcasting, you know, got taken over by the Bush administration, and they, you know, got rid of the the left wing do gooders mm-hmm. and put in the right wing do gooders, mm-hmm. and so everyone's squawking. But I'm thinking this is not where they're, where, you know, this is just a of it well uh, so the I'm the real power the real power in uh in public uh, broadcasting is with the affiliates i, I was following a story uh, a week or two ago uh where all of this money that has been spent on um podcasting and interactive stuff and websites is now all being reappropriated and the money's going back to the affiliates they have some ultimate power over this process i'm not quite sure how it works but um they clearly can tell home base what needs to happen when they group together well, I used to have a public radio show, and it was always a it was a it was a painful experience to get anyone to pick up the show, and uh, which I think is generally true with uh, where it's wide open. It's like syndication as opposed to yeah. uh, networks, right? And um, and the, the problem in the radio, and I think this is what's interesting about this podcasting thing, is that people do you know the people that, that figure out how to use it, especially automate it, uh, really like it because it gives them a different perspective on things there's less you know in this case of our show there's no commercials uh but the thing is is that the guys in radio and i don't think that the public generally appreciate this even though if you listen to jim rome uh he's always bitching about what he calls monkeys Hmm. that run these stations right and uh and he and he'll go on and on in fact he had a great story the other day where he wanted some affiliate um he was bad-mouthing some city not really bad he was quoting from a newspaper article in that city and the and the local what he called the radio monkey got on uh, and said, said he has to apologize to the city. I think it was Baltimore or Philadelphia, somebody. Oh, gosh. And he says, or, and we're giving him 48 hours or we're, gonna, we're going the show. to pull the show. We're going to pull the show. And Brome said, oh, yeah, I'm pulling the show. And he just killed the show and moved it to another station <laughs> because there's, he's in high demand. Yeah. So, cool. he, they, so this guy shot himself in the foot. 
but the but the public in general doesn't realize that in in radio in particular, the guys that run these stations from the station manager to the program director are extremely stupid. Yeah, they're like the bankers. It's, it's the same um, kind of guy. They all hang out together too, drinking and whoring. Well, they're not. Well, I wouldn't put him in the same league as bankers because, I, I, to be honest, about it, I don't think too many of them go to strip clubs. But the um, <laughs> they're not the they're they're stupid. I, I mean, in a really <laughs> funny kind of way that is indefinable. And they all talk so like this. Hey man, this hey man, they all talk like this. Hey man, how you doing? Hey, I heard that shift this morning. It sounded pretty good. Hey John, I'm a, don't make, don't make <laughs> me hot. Mu- don't no, make me hotline you, man. Yeah, well, that's different than the public radio guys. Oh, okay. The public radio guys aren't the jive talkers that you're oh. thinking of. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. They're just uh, guys. <laughs> They're wankers who would like to. They, more or less, they want like to be. They want to be the president. Of, yeah, the president of NBC is what they want to be. They want to be that, and they or a professor, right? Okay, and uh, they think highly of themselves, and they just love the fact that they can that they have power, power, yeah, power, and uh, they can and they make decisions, programming decisions based on what they <laughs> perceive as the public need, and their decisions affect people's lives, not just of the station the station operators, but also those of the public at large. I have the power. But anyway, so it's it's very disappointing to work in that uh, media. Yeah. Stay the TV guys are much better, but they're at least got something on the ball, and they're better looking. So to bring it back, though, <laughs> to to bring it back. Um. So I still am hoping that someone comes up with uh, some grant somewhere. I think that's that's the most elegant way of of funding this program. Um. But I'll certainly take donations. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Well, we have to come up with some scheme. Yeah, we really do have to. I mean, we, we put a lot of effort into this. You know, I, how much? How much? Uh, how much? What is our viewer? What is our listenership currently? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's growing, uh, but it's um, it's between fifteen and twenty thousand. That's listening. Uh, an episode. Yeah, per episode. Yeah. That, that's a that's about the, the listenership of a reasonably popular uh, local radio show. Um, well, that kind of depends on transmitter size, depends on market. I mean, that that's not entirely true. Um, but I, I think we I can think get this to a hundred. We should be able to get this to a hundred thousand. I mean, that should be possible if we if if it yeah, doesn't. I think that's, or at least it should I be think. growing consistently month over month, and which it's it is. Well, if we get a hundred. Yeah, we should get to a hundred thousand. At a hundred thousand, one percent of those people will probably uh, chip in. Yeah, I mean, can't expect much more than that. And that's a thousand <laughs> people. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and we don't want. And somebody said, well, you know, whatever you do, don't do, uh, you know, telethons or whatever it is that uh, I think. I think a, we do a, good. A, put a PayPal button. We'll 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 do good telethons. Well, you get, I mean, it we, would be funnier than yeah, most. We could yeah. do an auction. Oh, we can do an auction. We can uh, we can have celebrities on taking calls and taking money. <laughs> There's nothing like a celebrity to come on the show and take money. A lot of good voices, you know. No, we can get some celebrities. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I'm sure we can get celebrities. Who okay. would you want? Let's go after one. <laughs> you, you tell me. I'm sure. I'm sure within well. within one week we can track down anybody we want, and they'll come on the show. 
Well, let's see. Well, first they'd have to be interested in the you know in some. No, oh, you're working backwards, way. man. Shoot for the stars. Who do you want? Uh, we'll, I'm sure we can get to him. Well, who's the hottest stars right now? Let's get Tom Cruise. He's not hot. He's lame. <laughs> He's totally lame. Let's get Angelina Jolie. Right, now she's pregnant. Tom, Tom so. Cruise is off the. <laughs> I don't know. She she might like to do it. Um, you know, that's a good question. I'm not big, a big celebrity maven, so I'm not uh, mm. off the top of my head. I'm not thinking, oh, you know, that person, I'd love to get them on. Um, I like I talking know. to you, man. You I'm, like? I'm, uh, there's, there's, I don't think there's anybody I'd really be interested in talking to. Well, no, of course, there are some people. Um, we should get... Uh, we you get, know, George Clooney sounds like a guy you'd like to have a beer with. Yeah, I like him a lot. He, um, George. Yeah, he. I don't know him he's personally. Personable. He does seem very personable. No, he I, seems I see he's personal. Yeah, and um, he's kind okay, of well, like like old Hollywood. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's on the short list. He's kind of like old Hollywood. You know, that's what I like <laughs> about him. You know, he he, he kind of has that Cary Grant kind of vibe. You know, like he'll don't worry, ladies. George will take care of you. No, nah, he's a. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, we, no, he, he we plays that. Him. That's that's just the role he's playing. Yeah, yeah. of course. He, well, he, he knows that he's he's milking it. Yeah, and your point would be, would <laughs> be he's a smart guy. He's probably be fun to have a beer with. Okay, who else? That'd be cool to have on Elliot Spitzer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can get to, what's that guy? Um, Murray Sabrin. I can get him on. He's running for Senate. Uh, I know. It's one of your crackpot <laughs> nutballs. I haven't spoken to him yet. He called. He wants to be on the show. Let's see if we can get Steve Ballmer. Hey, what are we going you know, to be on the show? You know, we're not talking of nutcases. It's a nutcase, man. I have nothing to ask him. What, Ballmer? Yeah, but I have nothing to ask him. I'm not interested. Yeah, you know what? Let's get him on the phone and He's ask him. No, let's ask him how you delete that stupid file that's making your your laptop your computer crash. Let's ask him that. It's the registry. Yeah, here, Steve, could you come over and fix uh, John's registry, please? He he really needs your help. Yeah. Okay. Well, so so you don't like Balmer? I didn't um, say that. I'm just not interested. What about one of the Google? No, not interested. Not interested. Uh, well, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm interested in worldly affairs. Tech guys. No, no, no tech guys, please. Although right, I do, so although I do think if you, um, if you got Steve Jobs into into the right zone, into the right spot, which uh, you know, it's just never been he done. Won't do it. It's never been done exactly. But that that would be interesting. I'm sure that would be entertaining. Well, it probably would be, but you know, he, he's. I've been blackballed from his um, talk to list for twenty years, at least. Really? What did you do? <laughs> years ago. Oh well, one. Well, you know, he has a long memory, and and he has a, and a short list of blackballed people. I'm one of them, and um, he. Uh, what happened was when he quit the first time, you know, back in yeah. the uh, John Scully era. Uh, I had written, I was writing for uh, the inside track column for InfoWorld at the time. It's, this was in like 80s, early 80s. And I had written the headline, Steve Jobs, Good Riddance. <laughs> and uh, that was it. Uh, okay. Even I, though I, I welcomed him. I'm sorry? I was going to say, I can see where that might be a little problem. <laughs> 
So, uh, but even though I have praised him since because I think he did a good, good job of turning the company around, he's not the type of person who, uh, uh, he's not a forgiving type of person who's ever going to talk to me. So that's the end of that. Oh, well. But hey, I don't hold back. I mean, I got a ban. I got this thing here. I got to put this on the blog. This is kind of funny. Let me see what I find. It's in my piles of paper. Uh, where is it? It's a memo. Here it is. I got some copies. You know, there was this case, Combs versus Microsoft. No. And uh, they, it was a big, it was a lot, one of these IOR, some little place sued Microsoft. They didn't think they got enough money on the antitrust settlement, so they sued Microsoft for continued, you know, violations of whatever. And they went into uh, Discovery and picked up even more documents that they never, nobody's ever seen before. And so I have my, uh, I'm on a list, uh, curiously enough, with Mark Perkel, who's my uh, computer time uh, sysop for the blog, mm-hmm. which is weird. But it says it's a plaintiff's exhibit number 1386, Comas versus Microsoft, Microsoft Windows MS beta programs. And it, and it says at the top, do not send or give any information to the below. <laughs> and it says John C. And Dvorak. <laughs> No, they left the C out, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> but the uh, but they have me in there with uh, with some crackpots, which that, is kind well, of that's a, kind a, of weird, good, though. Man. Marks on here. That's the, I mean, yeah, that's well, here, like a communist list. list. I'm the I'm Mark and I are the only two people that are except for Al. Al Alamia, Joe Battaglia, and Joan Brewer, who was a, essentially kind of a stalker, because she had, and he says, Brewer's alias is Joan Jett, Redmond Rose, William Tell, Vogue <laughs> Image, blah, blah, blah. Right. She was a, had a crush on Bill and was making him crazy. And I guess she was an employee or something. Anyway, uh, then he's got, so those are the, that and then Mark Perkel are the, are the, and then Gerard Franken of BHV something, some, some company in Germany or Netherlands. You do not give information. The GeoWorks Go, IBM, uh, Profound Computer, which was funny about the IBM thing since they were partners at the time. Yeah, really. Puzzle System, Santa Cruz Operations. And they have the names of the people who, Except for me, they they say who set who told them to put them on the list. Sun Microsystems, Veritest, and then and then it says do not give any information about MS DOS 5.0, ROM DOS, which I don't know what that even that ever came out to Apple, Computer Time, Mark Perkel, CompuThink, Digital Research, GeoWorks, Go, John Dvorak, <laughs> IBM, MultiSoft. <laughs> You're in good company, my no, friend. That's no. a good list. Excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> No, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, at least, you know, it shows that I'm not one of the, you know, normally corrupt uh, types who cover this stuff. There you go. Proof Uh, is in the pudding. Because one of the things is I'm always busting them, too, because they used to do this meeting down in uh, in the Hood Canal. Bill Gates has a mansion somewhere in the Hood Canal area of, of, of Western Washington. And they would invite all the boys 
to to spend the night with Bill in the big lodge, and this would include John Markoff and Walt Mossberg and everybody that you can think of that writes about Microsoft, and they'd bring them in, and they'd have a song and dance, and they'd brainwash them as best they could, put them up and feed them, and fly them out. I think they, most of these guys would have the, their own company fly them out because it was it was unethical for them to pay, get a free airplane ride. Oh, anyway, that, which is the part of the whole scam. But meanwhile, they're there, you know, schmoozing with these guys and feeling good about it. Uh, so anyway, so I found out about these meetings that were once a year, because I was never invited. And I just blew the lid off the whole thing, told them what they were doing and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> what so were they, they doing? Like the, water, water cannon fights, sick. water balloon fights, <laughs> pillow fights, hot dog eating I, contests, know, beer guzzling? <laughs> Oh God! I can only imagine. It was imagine. just a corrupt. It seemed like a corrupt practice. Of course. Where, so, where did you? Uh, where did you write about that? I wrote about, I think, in PC Magazine and Inside Track. Oh, that's and funny. And I just re- pretty much outlined the whole thing. What? Who was there? And you know, I didn't name all the names, but um, only the I made a point ones. that this was like a corrupt practice, and that was, and that was the last time they did it. Oh man, that's why you Which were probably invited. Everybody. Yeah, of course. No, this this. this this is this list is ten years earlier. So well, uh, this thing, this non. Well, you totally no you're a party list. pooper. You spoiled it for everybody, Dvorak. You're <laughs> off the list. I am a party pooper. You are a big ass party pooper. Nice. So being a party pooper and all, uh, that's why Steve Jobs is not going to come on our show. Hey, you know, you know uh, Palmer. Actually, I do correspond. Go ahead. I say I do correspond with Balmer once in a while. I mean, I, I'm still on good terms with him. I know Bill, you know, took a dislike to me some years ago. And, uh, you know, he acknowledges me when he sees me. He says, hi, John, how you doing? And then hmm. that's the end of it. But uh, he's not a big fan of mine. Uh, Balmer probably doesn't necessarily like me, but he's, you know, he's we're civil. Yeah, I have about a once a year, three three email exchange with jobs. You know? Once, oh, really? yeah, once in a while he'll send me, I mean, it's happened twice, right? Uh, since I met him, uh, that he sent me something and I've sent him something. And it's usually one of those, you know, thought you would enjoy reading this blah. And I'll say, thank you. Blow and it's over. Right. Or, or the other way around. I like him. He, he's, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was an okay guy. Most people don't, uh, the, uh, he does. Uh, he has his little short list of people that he will send uh, 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 observations to, hoping mm-hmm. that they pick him up and run with him. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the last time he did this, but it was recently, and it would, he'd send something. It'd always be some sort of a, like a, a zinger. He'd send a zinger out to specific people, hoping that one of them picks it up without attribution. He doesn't care about that. He just wants the zinger, which mm. is usually a one-liner that's highly critical of a com- of a competitor, mm-hmm. to be used right. and uh, to get into the public domain. Uh, and not too many CEOs do that. I don't think that many uh, even think of the idea. But uh, generally speaking, I write my own material. <laughs> I was um, earlier this morning. Uh this afternoon, uh, I was uh, horsing around a little bit, surfing around a bit, and uh, I happened upon that the uh, South by Southwest interview that uh, Sarah Lacey did with Mark Zuckerberg. Right, and uh, yeah, poor Sarah. Well, you know, it was interesting. Around cranky geeks. Yeah, well, and I also watched Cranky Geeks, where you indeed mentioned you were going to try and get her on maybe for next week. And I was looking at that video, and I'd seen her on Cranky Geeks maybe two months ago. 
I'm just guessing it was about that that long ago. And uh, and I remember we we had a conversation. Uh, at the time, I said, you know, she's not really my type. But uh, for some reason, at South by Southwest, she looked pretty hot. Something something's different. I don't know that you could even see her that close. I mean, the one thing I thought was weird is that whoever was shooting that video, they had at some angle her. She was I don't know. She had her legs on a yep. on a on a on a ham. Uh, she, her legs were way up in the air. I mean, uh-huh, her knees uh-huh. from the camera angle were like at, at face level. Yes, that tick two of the and boxes. Thinking, yes, okay, uh huh. And so, well, that's for what you were looking at, being the leg man that you are. <laughs> no, it's all no. There was some and, other uh, ancillary video. You know, people interviewed her after the fact, and there's some YouTube stuff. And she just looked good. She looked really um, well, she, sexy. She's a very flirty uh, girl, and I think it didn't go over well with that audience of you know, uh, right? Uh, metrosexuals that go to that S by Southwest thing. Have you ever been and, to South um, by Southwest? I've never been myself. So. No, I don't have time for this stuff. I mean, I, got, <laughs> I can't even clean up my office. I should be going down to Austin. It's just a party <laughs> scene. <laughs> I think you know, why should, I, should, I should spend a couple thousand dollars going to Austin <laughs> to, to party, listen to a band and drink beer. I can do that in San Francisco yeah, but then for you're, like a lot less money. <laughs> but then you're interactive, dude. You gotta be hip and interactive, John C. Interactive Dvorak. Interactive with what? <laughs> with other people. With a bunch of people you're never gonna see again I, that <laughs> happen to live down the street from you. I mean, the thing that bugs me the most with these things is you go in and it's like, oh yeah, hey, I haven't seen you for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I'm Louis. Oh, you're you're in Berkeley too. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're both. Yeah, I'm from two blocks away. Oh, cool. Uh, we should do lunch. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're gonna do lunch. Okay, cards get exchanged. Year goes by, nothing. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> That's exactly the way it is. I hate it. You should come this year. Oh wait, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, you, you should be my guest. I want you to come to the the Portable Media Expo. It'll be in Vegas this year. This is what was the Podcast Expo. I think it's in August. You have to come. You will. You, I mean, you you think conferences are strange? Wait until you see this one. What's so strange about it that it, that I haven't seen something similar to like the game developers, for example? Um, the, the the audience at the Portable Media Expo is uh, it's just fantastic to observe. It really is <laughs> because you know you have to understand that everyone who's there is probably a producer, and everyone who's there is also listening to all the other people. So everyone is a star and a fan at the same time, and you just see all these mm. this, these dynamics going on. It's um, it's a fascinating thing to watch. It really is because people are getting props too. Like you know, when someone comes up and says, "Hey, uh, look at your name badge. Hey, you're the you're the dude from the the pickle podcast." You know, I I also see that you're wearing the podcast pickle suit. Um, you know, I listen to you. You know, and that's a big deal. You know, when people say, uh, I listen to your show, it makes you feel good. And it gives you some kind of, I don't know, chemical reaction. <laughs> Offset usually by lots of alcohol. Yeah, well, I, you know, maybe if they invite me to speak, I'll come. Will you, hey, dude, you should do the, the keynote. They're always looking for a keynote. I've refused it every no, time. They're looking for, they're, no, mine, isn't that the guys who charge you to 
do the keynote kind of thing instead of no, I think they've you? I think they've figured that one out. I think they've changed that and <laughs> and uh I'm sure they'll pay you. They'll pay you to come and do the keynote. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Well, maybe I can get some somebody throw something at me. So, I, I'm uh, going to investigate. I'm going to I'm going to get you um a keynote at the PME. You'll be great. Well, I do have a few speeches. <laughs> now we we have to do a new one. You can't just use something you've yeah, used. Yeah, well, I could for- no, I could do a a, a a new media speech from scratch. It's not a big deal. Well, the only thing it has to be about is how to make money, because that's really the only thing anyone ever talks about. Oh well, let's get our our uh, begging thing going together, and then I can <laughs> explain how that works. How to make money? Hmm. Yep, that's what it's all about. Monetization, my friend. It's all about how to make money. People love doing this shit. They just want to get paid for it. That's it. Well, it would be it would be better. Yeah, it makes everything better. And the fact of the matter is, if you have like a hundred thousand listeners, yeah. it seems to me there's money to be made. There's got to be. But again, I I think the grant. I think that's the way to go. I mean, it's it. Everyone pitches in because it's your tax money or whatever. And sometimes it could be a private foundation, I guess. That's uh, handing out a grant. There's got to be one out there for some. Um, current no, there's news probably, affair there's program. There's probably a ton of them out there. The problem is you have to be a grantsmanship person. You know, there's, right. there's people that specialize in this as a business. I know. We've mentioned this and, before, but we need someone to step up, you know, step up to the plate with your grantsmanship and get us a grant already. Yeah. That we would, do. That would be perfect. I think we could, well, I'm, we'll have to keep begging, I guess. I just want to beg for a grant. That's much more interesting to me than little bits and pieces. I'll, I'm all for it. I think we should get a, a, what's a, a MacArthur. Where are those people when we need them? <laughs> or the Arthur Daniel Midlands company. Oh, well, you know, that's, I don't know if I want to take their money. <laughs> no, of course not. Well, I probably would. <laughs> aren't, aren't they mili- military industrial complex guys? Well, they're the ones who are like, you know, making you know us grow corn and so now their wheat prices have jacked way oh, up right i mean a, a, arthur daniels those guys and monsanto are not companies that uh, you want are, to do business with well it's just i don't think they're doing anybody a favor let's put it that way hmm. i mean they're doing what they do i mean they're shareholders i guess or and they're i'm sure the executives get paid well but uh, it's just you know i'm not you know, the people in Monsanto sued a couple of journalists down in Florida or someplace. Some, I should look that up and, and re- refer to it because it was kind of disgusting. These people were just bitching about the fact. Had, I think it had to do with the BST, that crap they give the cows to make them produce more milk. Ah, right. Uh, and they were trying to blow the lid off of something or other, and these Monsanto guys decided to sue them and, uh, you know, just as a harassment suit, and that was the end of that. So, I don't know. <clears throat> just uh as an uh, <clears throat> as an update, final update, I guess. Um, Price Waterhouse Coopers got back to me. They now have uh, the new tax rules that go into effect April eighth here in the United in the uh, United Kingdom. And, yeah. And this, of course, is the non-domiciled uh, tax status that I'm most interested in. <clears throat> right. Okay. So they've changed a few things. It, it is going into effect. It'll. Um, affect people who uh, have lived in the United Kingdom for seven years. So I have a couple more years to go before all of it takes effect, but some of it takes effect immediately. Uh, But essentially, you will be taxed worldwide um, unless you pay 30,000 pounds per year 
to basically have the UK say, okay, whatever you want to make outside of the UK is your business. However, here's the interesting thing. Regardless, and this actually, this starts now, regardless of whether um, you're a domiciled or non-domiciled, regardless of whether you pay your 30000 if you make capital gains outside the United Kingdom and you want to bring money in, you will be taxed again. So, you know, to make a, a real long story short, what they've essentially said is, okay, if you want to live here, that's fine. Uh, we'll, and they've, I think they, the whole thing with double taxation, they've worked all of that out. Even They've even come to an agreement with the state. So all of that's kind of cool and won't really make any difference, I don't think. But if you want to bring your money into the United Kingdom and you want to invest it or you want to use it to shop or you want to buy, you know, houses or cars or whatever, that's fine, but there's an admission fee at the door to our store. That's essentially what they're saying, is you have to pay for the right um, to spend your money in the United Kingdom. And so, again, the papers today are full of, uh, what was it, there was like three co- three companies have, already, have just announced they're moving to uh, Geneva and or Zurich. They're all leaving. Uh, oh, it's, uh, yeah, actually, it was uh, Yahoo, Google, and uh, one other uh, online company. I think it was Yahoo who said they were moving to Geneva. So they're all leaving now. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. You want people to just to drag their money over and spend it in England? Whoa, hold on a second, John. You just started to sound like... Uh... Yeah, you sound kind of funny, too. Let's do a reconnect. Okay, hold on. Okay. That was cool. No one even noticed it. So what? Uh, where were we? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it, it took so long to reconnect, I completely forgot. Well, I think it was having to do with the fact that you have to spend $30,000 to spend money when it's a, ah, when a right. smart thing to do is to let people spend money in yeah. your country. Yeah, it's, it, it's nuts. And really, this whole thing has been spun so out of control. It has nothing to do with people not paying their fair share of taxes. Yeah, that's really not what it's about. But now it's like, okay, you know, I can buy stuff anywhere I want. I can invest in any country I want. You know, I might choose not to, you know, not to spend 18% just for the privilege of bringing my money in. That's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, we'll see. You know, if you go to San Francisco and roam around, it's like we're welcoming anyone to come in here and drop every, every nickel they have. Yeah. The place is crawling with Europeans. Uh, Asians, too. Yeah, if, you know, there's some, yeah, that's true. Well, everybody, really. always, everybody's always coming to the States. It's uh, cheap. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a great price. destination. Yeah, it's half off for the rest of our lives. Come on over, boys. I mean, they're coming over here and buying stuff that they can't even get in their own country at these prices. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Although air travel, international uh, air travel has not really gone down. <laughs> That's kind of offsetting a lot. You, you know, do you it, think a hundred and ten dollar a barrel oil has anything to do with that? Gosh, I mean, I I predicted the hundred uh, the hundred dollars a barrel oil, but hundred and ten. I I actually believe this year, um, we get a new president. I think we'll see. I'm going to make a prediction right now. I think we'll see two hundred before the end of the year. Mm, I think that's going to be tough to sustain because uh, right now it's just at the point where people are going to go. I mean, I think people look at their, uh, especially these Americans who drive, you know, these these gas guzzlers. You know, you go and you fill up your car and it's like seventy five dollars. 
So you you know unless you're gonna and just you know after a while you go well if you have to fill it up typically once a week if you're commuting, maybe more, and that's like 150 300 bucks a month right off the top. I mean, geez. Uh, I'm not saying that people will be able to afford it. I think it's uh, it's going that way. It's just like there's no there seems to be no floor for the dollar. There's no ceiling for oil. No, we'll see. Hold I on know gold's hey, jumped babe, over a thousand dollars. That's kind of interesting. Is that the first time ever it's been over a thousand dollars? Yeah. Hmm. I think it hit nine hundred once, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look at some old charts, but it wasn't doing anything for years, and then now it's just you know been rocking. So, and so let me ask. So I've always wondered about this, and you might be the right person to ask. So if you look at um, gold and you look at diamonds, right? Both um, substances that come from the earth that are um, that have a value attached to it, and people know the value. And with gold, it's even very very precise. But what can you actually do with gold? I mean, is there is there any real good uh, use you can use for it? Yeah, it's used on uh, connectors for uh, <laughs> for headphones. No, seriously, it's a use for it. You have to use it for that. For, okay. Uh, Semiconductors and things like that, they use a lot of gold because it's a good conductor of electricity. Uh, that's what you use it for. Uh, and there's a big market in that? I mean, there are people buying gold huge. to use? Yeah, oh, I didn't tons. know that. Ah, okay. And then the other thing is teeth. You know, people have gold right. teeth. Right. And then the rest of it is jewelry. And how about uh, diamonds? I mean, the jewelry factor just doesn't work for me. I mean, that's not a necessity of life. We need gold teeth. We need to be able to make yeah, semiconductors. Well, diamonds are used in the industry to an extreme. I mean, most diamonds are not ever make, cut into to jewelry. They're they're ground into this powders that they use for uh, cutting through steel, and uh, and they use lots of it, tons. Hmm. I thought it was pretty useless myself, but I guess it's it's quite part <laughs> yeah. of the industrial uh, system, huh? Yeah, you, you really can't. There's a lot of things you, that can't really be done effectively without diamonds, and mainly cutting. Okay, I'll have to change my uh, my my feelings then about diamonds. Yeah, I think it gives them something to do with all these. You know, most diamonds are not you know commercial. They're not. They don't become jewels. Uh, but the ones that do, I mean, those are obviously worth a lot more than a powdered up stuff. Mm. But, uh, and then there's the problem they have with diamonds and, you know, they can now artificially make them, although they tend to be a little too perfect in some situations and <laughs> glow in the dark. And, uh, but with gold, gold's pretty much, uh, you know, what you got is what you got. You can't make it. Do you, um, do you buy diamonds for your wife? She's not a big diamond person, mm -hmm. and her stone is not a diamond. It's a uh, green sapphire or blue sapphire or something like that, and that's what she likes. Oh, yeah, but diamonds are a girl's best friend, John. Not hers. She has other friends. <laughs> Jackson, guys like that. I, mean, I know. I mean, you see, I remember the time that uh, I first met Melissa or Melinda, Melissa, Melinda. I don't know, I can't remember, I guess, uh, uh, Gates' wife. Yeah. Is it Melinda or Melissa? It's, um, Melinda, I think. Yeah, it is Melinda. It's Melinda, yeah. I met her at once, and maybe twice, but I met her once after she was officially Bill's girlfriend, mm. and uh, she was still working at the company. And she was wearing the engagement ring, which I guess somebody told her to stop wearing because I heard that, you know, you don't get to see it so much. The thing was, uh, it was looked like a, the, the, the stone was the size of a small golf ball. <laughs> yeah. And it was quite flashy. But that's a you big know, deal with the Silicon Valley guys. I, I see lots of them have uh, 
have wives with huge rocks. Um, some of them are second or third wives, but all huge rocks. Big deal in the valley. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that and the, the Rolex. Uh, Got to have one. The Rolex is a, almost a, a you, if you find somebody in Silicon Valley, I, you, the semiconductor guys are the most identifiable in, in some in Silicon Valley because they all have a Rolex, generally a Rolex president gold, and um, they wear uh, khaki colored pants and a blue shirt that's probably the color blue of like three seasons ago. Um, yeah. It's never the current blue, which is tends to have a lot of other colors in it. The newest one being, by the way, a blueberry, which is fantastic looking. Mm. Um, right. the, well, you, know, you had a very, a very um, colorful and light and airy uh, ensemble on, on Cranky Geeks uh, from this week. Like a yellow striped shirt. Oh, right. This is my famous yellow striped shirt. This is a shirt I got years ago. Oh, that shirt's pretty old. <clears throat> and it, it used to wear it on uh, ZDTV, that particular shirt, because Harry Fuller, who was one of the guys that was one of the executives there, hated it. And I could never figure out why, because it was it really looked great on camera, especially when you didn't have a jacket on. And Fuller would always go, oh, that yellow shirt, I can't stand that yellow striped shirt. And he'd just moan and groan about it. So if I knew he was going to be in the area, I'd always make sure to wear that thing. <laughs> kind of kind of like your WNBC. <laughs> so anyway, I had it in, the, in storage. And uh, I was going through some shirts because I ran out of shirts. So I said, oh, God, I have to bring out an old shirt. And I ran into that one. I said, ah, this will work. So next day I've worn it twice. Well, it looked good on you. It suited Thanks. you quite well. Uh, yellow works great since I'm so pale. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever go on vacation, man? You ever, like, go sit in the sun on an island somewhere? I used to go to Hawaii once in a while, but now I kind of make my vacations part of my business. So if I go to, like, Europe for some business thing, I'll stick around for a few extra days. For a conference, for, uh, right? You, you talk at a conference and then go hang out. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, what a wonderful life you have, John. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got the music playing, man. Let's end the show. We're uh, like an hour and ten minutes once again. Yep, got to get get done. And it's taken us five hours to put it together uh, with all the stops it's and configurations terrible. and shit. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. All right, all coming right. to coming to you from uh, the Curry Manor in the United Kingdom. I'm Adam Curry. Yeah. And I'm John C. Dvorak in Northern California. We will talk to you again, whether you pay us or not, next week right here on No Agenda. Mm-hmm.